Welcome. Welcome back, everybody, to uh, another episode of Energy Bites. John Calfan here with uh, my wonderful co-host, Bobby Nealon. How's, how's it going, Bobby? Great. Going great. We've got our guest today, Andrew Munoz, CTO at Forecast now. Mm-hmm. Is that yep. correct? Cool. Swiss Army knife of oil and gas. Yeah. Oh, uh, thank you I'm, for bringing that up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm jealous you stole that uh, that tagline because that's I feel like I'm similar in a lot of senses. The I looked at a lot of profiles. None, right? Yeah, because I was trying to figure out like, okay, I don't want to do something stupid like polymath or some dumb yeah. like that. But I'm like, I'm doing <laughs> geophysics and engineering, and I've like picked up a lot of skills, yeah. data science. But I wanted to have something that was sort of tasteful that was yeah. a good tagline, kind of coming out of being an op- being a geophysicist and an operator. Yeah. So yeah. no, it's it's good. Yeah. I like it. Thanks. <laughs> uh, before we get into it, if you're liking the podcast, please go give us a review. If you're listening, if you're watching, please lo- hit the like button. Try and subscribe. Um, we're getting really good responses and feedback. We really appreciate uh, you guys listening in. So with that, get that out of the way. Let's jump into it. Tell us a little about yourself. So Yeah. So I, I've spent um, over a decade working for, for operators. Um, first at, at Newfield, I was a geophysicist and, uh, you know, had a lot of great experiences, great mentors there. Um, and uh, and then I hopped over to private equity uh, uh operator inside natural resources we bought pioneers position in the eagleford and um got to be the geophysicist for that that company and and build a lot of my own tools and um build a lot of the workflows doing things the way that you know i wanted to do it on the geophysics side and met a lot of great people and uh, and now i um sort of jumped into the the sharky waters of entrepreneurship and <laughs> joined uh, uh you know forecast and uh i'm the developer for the software now and have kind of rewritten it in the way that that i felt is a really optimal way of doing it and it's it's been a great ride so far and i've got a lot of a lot of history we can dive into what you know why i've done certain things sure. and where i've acquired certain skills um so whatever you guys want to talk about i'm open to cool yeah um no i mean with? i guess just as far as you know i guess maybe coming but when is the first time you touched you know coding or tech or when did you really get that bug yeah yeah can, can you to that point preface that with just give the non uh oil and gas folks just a, a brief understanding of what geophysics is and, and what, what, what it is but what they like enough. what you guys do yeah absolutely well first i'll uh go ahead and plug uh the energy 101 podcast uh, you can hop on that and get a really uh, high level overview of uh, geophysics and geology and how we're important in the industry but basically geophysicists are responsible for interpreting um this data that creates an image of the subsurface, creates an image of where rocks are deep down, and it's called seismic data. And we use sound waves to build those images and we interpret them and then use them to plan and develop oil and gas wells. And so you can't see thousands of feet into the ground. So this is a way of of remotely doing that. And that's the primary skill that geophysicists uh, bring to uh, oil and gas operators. we're needed to de-risk wells to plan them to um figure out where oil and gas is in some cases so for conventional um for conventional wells we really are identifying where it exists yeah you're kind of the uh, explorers so to speak of the the sub that's why i loved it because it's like when i first saw it's like oh you're like building a treasure map you know you're the you're the treasure find you're the explorer right this is uncharted territory and so what you're seeing is things that Humans have never laid eyes on, eyes on, yeah. but you're you're seeing it remotely, and you're like, all right, let's go, let's go, 
find this. Yeah. Let's go explore. And it happened Sweet. over millions of years. Happened over millions of all years. All kinds of crazy features to it and all that fun stuff. It's incredible what the earth can do over millions of years with yeah. burying sediment and eroding sediment and, and shifting yeah. it and yeah, yeah and causing <laughs> causing breaks and faults in the ground. And it's it's a pretty neat world. And not only the time scales, but the the uh size of yeah. these yeah. basins is hundreds of miles. I mean these basins are huge and the size of these geologic features are, are yeah. huge. Um, so we work in very different scales than what most people live in. Yeah. But even with that, it's, I mean, it's not all, you know, homogenous either. Right. I mean, it's like yeah, for one, you know, within, a, yeah. within a few miles and you, I know I'd spent some time working the Eagle for too. It's like, yeah, you can go a couple miles up, down, dip, whatever. And things are totally different. Like, very different. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, you can put wells in, in, in a lot of the, a lot of this area and unconventionals, but it's not always economic. And yeah. It's not always the product that you want, you know, that's, uh, definitely times for oil and gas and and so knowing where you are and understanding how to economically extract uh these minerals is, yeah. is really important so how did you get get into kind of coding and, and the tech side of things yeah so that it's an interesting story i i never was a software engineer like that i don't have that formal background i started early in my undergraduate some undergraduate research projects uh in fortran fortran 77 specifically wow. and i was doing some uh reduction to the pole magnetic filters so like a magnetic space geophysics and just really simple projects like doing 2d Fourier transforms and kind of programming them and doing some neat uh some neat research projects and then i got a little more advanced i started working with a professor in my undergraduate um where robert weiss where we were doing uh tsunami modeling so we're doing mm -hmm. three-dimensional uh smooth particle hydrodynamics and we were doing c plus uh, using c plus plus to to build these um three-dimensional tsunami models and it's really cool and measuring inundation lengths and um i learned a lot about gpus in that time because okay. sbh uses uh gpus to do the computations so i, I got a really early introduction to yeah, nvidia that's kind of ahead of its time tesla's like, you know, yeah really, really early it's like 2008 i guess 2009 yeah so pretty before nvidia kind of blew up in the ai tech space um and before you know people really had a lot of gpu programming we were programming in CUDA and CUDA is right. like a very low level language compared mm -hmm. to, you know, what exists now for GPU programming. And it was a great introduction to, to that world and to the hardware and the software world. And then I went and visited, um, Colorado school of mines for graduate school. And I, I was a very, um, something I can highly recommend if you're under undergraduate and you really wanted to get into a certain graduate program, buy a call them and, and schedule a time, buy a ticket, but plane ticket, go there, tour the campus, meet the advisor, and spend time learning about them and and seeing why you might be interested in working yeah. with them. Because, oh God, that was such a good, such a great way to not only get into a competitive program, but to just get to know it and yeah. to understand it. So Dave Hale was my advisor there, just absolutely brilliant guy. Right? I mean, just just a workhorse and knows so much. Um, you know, he's instrumental in building landmarks um uh software systems for okay. geophysics and just like i think he i think he actually i, I don't know if this is how true this is i think he took the original like c code and 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 turned it all into c plus plus like turned it all into object-oriented oh, wow. code for the whole decision place platform um what it exists today so don't you know landmark folks don't don't come after me but i'm pretty sure he was very instrumental in that and just a super sharp guy so Pretty good person to be uh, learning from. Yeah, he's a great gate, person right? to learn from. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's very involved in what you're doing. So yeah. he's like really in it every day with you. And he's trying to do things himself. Like he's very he's a very prolific researcher. He retired not not long after I left, but 
Um, he's a very prolific researcher and a really sharp guy. So what was cool about him was his involvement in teaching you and, and having you kind of throwing you in the deep end learning. Yeah. Um, and from him, I learned um, Python and Java. So he was a okay. big Jython guy. I don't know if people know what Jython is, but <laughs> I mean, dive into it. That's what we, yeah, yeah, that's what we're here for. Prior to Python three version three which is what most people use nowadays, Python two point seven um, could integrate with Java using these Jython libraries, and so you can basically take a statically typed language that compiles like Java, which is really fast. I mean, when you're working with big data sets like right. seismic. Yeah. You need something like that. I mean, you need something that can run really quickly. And this is before Python really had a lot of the yeah. vectorized optimizations that it has today. Um, so in J Jython, you have all these compiled Java classes that you can you know, work on and create. And, and, and so he had this great library called the Minds GTK, which I think are still maintained by some ex-students today, yeah. um, that has all these fantastic Java classes <laughs> for working with seismic data and, and, and log data. And so I, I did some research based on that and I started a master's degree and I decided to flip it and do a PhD. And then it just, you know, it wasn't really for me, I think. And I, I was happy to hop out of that and go work at Newfield in Denver. And, and fortunately I timed it in 2014 to where I was getting right in the crash. So <laughs> yeah, that's, got, that's got the job when I got into and, the uh, yeah. industry as well as yeah. July, 2014. Exactly. <laughs> Got out, got 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 my full time job secured, um, and sort of rode that wave. Um, but I learned so much there, and yeah. that's where I got the base for my my Python uh programming skills that I use mostly today. And I still do a little bit of um Java if I ever have to do any type of work with Seismic and in Python specifically. Still have some builds that yeah. that let me use some of that code. But um, but I. Throughout my career at Newfield, I did a lot of geophysical work using mm -hmm. some some of those Minds GTK libraries and code <laughs> using Jython. And I got more and more proficient in Python as it went along too. And I think the real breaking point was I was making all kinds of little libraries for doing log analysis, rock physics, um, you know, programming things that that you just didn't see in these mainstream geoscience packages, yeah. you know, looking at log data and doing petrophysical analysis. And I was getting more and more proficient. And then the break point was when I, I moved down to Houston. And I was on exploration team and I was sort of helping the assets at the time optimize their developments. And, and I was doing some work with geophysics, a little bit of work in data science myself. And then this, they hired this guy, Mac Burton, who was a uh, reservoir engineer coming from Anadarko. And he was on their data analytics team. And they're sort of like known around the industry. Yeah, Anadarko like had a really good program. Really good data analytics team and, yeah. and data analytics team. And they had, they used agile uh, yep. methods for development and um and he he came in and create started this group with sebastian martin she's who's at hess now he they they had this this group they formed this group where they were trying to do data science and analytics you know inside inside Newfield and um use this agile you know methodology for development and so i didn't actually like join the team but i was the geoscience member of that team so i you know started kind of early on with them bringing in geoscience data and and my boss was really happy to see that you know he wanted us involved in that say, um, what, an, what another novel idea yeah, yeah bringing right, in right. the smes to exactly. the to the data science groups yeah. instead of just passing and, it off to them and that was me like i was more focused on like okay i knew a lot about exploration i knew a lot about the data because i was trying to do things with the data yeah. and so at that point i didn't have any sql experience i didn't really know a i knew a little bit about databases but um i was sort of involved in some of the data science projects because i was helping bring the geoscience data into right. so when we were using external uh vendors and things like that 
So we get this group started and Matt brings all these great ideas around, um, you know, linear predictions and multivariate linear models yeah. and statistics and you know, like really basic stuff that you got to get people over sure. in order for them to, to do, to the understand and accept data science. science right. right. And so, um, we spent a lot of time educating and creating really simple ideas. And that's where I really started to expand my Spotfire skills. I'd been using Spotfire for a lot of other things. Sure. Um, but on, from the data science perspective, I really started expanding my Spotfire skills, programming an R, programming in Python in Spotfire before like it was um, before or, it was really easy to do. Yeah, you know, the Python data functions <laughs> like right now when are way easier. Yeah, right when Spotfire X came out, uh, Spotfire uh, skip from was, seven to ten. Like, yeah, exactly. Like skip from seven to ten. Um, and they were like, it's X. Yeah. And so right when that came out, then you can use Python data functions with a lot of headache uh, to to get it working. And so I started using that a little bit more, but we were more R focused at the time. And so um, did a lot of great stuff with them. And I, I started learning a little bit of SQL, a little bit of database. And, and I just learned the workflow, how to do, you know, production prediction and how to integrate all this data. Right. And then when um, Encana announced the acquisition of Newfield, I was like, oh, this is this is fun. So I had I had gone out and I'd looked for um, I had gotten a job with um, Insign. And so they were in the middle of closing this deal with Pioneer buying the Eagleford asset and they wanted me to be the geophysicist for that. And I'm like, all right, we want you to come in and stand up the geophysics program. And yeah. we, we had to buy a lot of seismic. We needed to buy like a thousand squares of seismic, which is a pretty big area. I mean, this thing across a few hundred miles. Yeah. And um, we needed to buy a lot of seismic and um, understand this very structurally complex part of the Eagleford. And so I was like, all right, well, I would also like to do all this really cool data science stuff. I've been working on this for years. You know, I've got this programming skills. Like, yeah, yeah, that's great. Let's uh, hold your horses. My boss <laughs> was like, just make sure you get the geophysics done and then we'll talk about that. I was like, all right. So I get, so I start the job in like May of 2017 and I, um, or was it 2017? Yeah, it was 2017. Um, I uh, immediately start, um, man, no, it was it 2019? Shoot, I don't remember. Sorry, guys. Whenever I started Ensign, whatever year it was. It's just pre, pre-COVID and yeah. post-COVID yeah, pre-COVID. is really what, what... I can't remember if... I think my... Yeah, my first child was already born, so it was definitely after 2017. Um, so I guess it was 2019. So 2019, I start, and we... Um, and I was so excited to get through all the geophysics part. Not, I mean, we needed to have it done. Like, it was yeah. really important. Like, it was very integral to our, to our success in operating. Um, I spent a week over that thousand squares just interpreting all the data. Like I finished it. Like I picked like 700 faults. I picked four different horizons, like picked the Buda, the Eagleford, the Anacacho, the Austin Chalk. And I was done within like a week. And I spent yeah. like 14 hours a day doing this because I wanted to get it done. And they're like, you didn't incredible. have to do it that fast. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, no, I've got motivation. Yeah, yeah. no, I want to do this. And so, and then we went through a couple of things like, okay, I went, I conditioned the data, did some gather work and things like that. And then I, you know, adjusted it. But I was done really early. So by the fall, I was, and we were starting to operate our first rig. By the fall, I was ready to start doing my data science work. Yeah. Like, All right. So I started from the ground up and I built everything kind of in Spotfire with Python and R scripts and started building all these dashboards. And the cool thing about InSign was we had all these fantastic uh, techs and uh, people who knew programming and um, who were just instrumental in creating these amazing back end that you know we could yeah. plug into and it allowed us to do you know these really cool analytics projects and so i got to work with these guys and i got really proficient at sql you know learning it from them and just practicing it and then i was able to start building my own um you know tables and databases and i started just i created this whole you know data science uh 
these all these data science products that we're then using to help inform some of our decision making. Yeah. And I was integrating the geophysics data, the attribute data, um, geologic data. And so I just got a really strong, you know, background in doing that and building yeah. it from the ground up. And it was a lot of fun. Um, so from that, I, I, we, you know, decided to sell the company and, uh, put it, put it up to market and it had a, you know, great successful exit to, to marathon. And then once, uh, our TSA was up with that in March, I, uh, I had, I had already been advising Zach Copeland on, on, uh, on forecast. And I was like, he was like, all right, well, let's, let's do this. You know, you want to be the developer yeah. of this? And I was like, sure. Sounds fun. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> entrepreneurial. I've always wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, and get a taste for that. And so from the beginning, I just, just help sort of reboot, you know, he had a great minimum viable product. He had a lot of, uh, great customers that were using it. And I was like, all right, let's start. I'm going to build this, how I, the same vision, right. Yeah. How I want to do this. And so I built the whole back end, and then we went through and, um, you know, rewrote all the code yeah. for, um, for the software. So, and then released it and have been, been selling it since. So it's, it's pretty fun. I honestly um, think that's probably one big reason for y'all's success. So, uh, quickly is just you know having a having the subject matter expert or the user mm -hmm. help write the software that they <laughs> are using exactly is a very critical uh, component of software development and i think that's where a lot of people stumble right is you go hire a dev shop or you got this big dev team mm -hmm. yeah. and then none of them have any or they have very minimal understanding of what the actual workflows are what the realistic you know whether it's the databases or the security or the permissions mm -hmm. or where the, the structure of the day all of those things they don't necessarily you know they think of things in a perfect like in physics right it's in a yeah. vacuum right and so everything happens perfectly in this yeah. vacuum but in the real world that's not how it actually happens <laughs> exactly. right exactly that's 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 really cool how did uh so your like programming journey so to speak was that pretty much all self-taught did you get any kind of formalized training in that yeah kind of sense or i didn't you know i had i had a few mentors you know i had a few people that i could kind of tap into yeah. but to be honest in the oil and gas industry there's not that many yeah. um you know i had, i had spent some early time um looking at a lot of stuff that like matt hall was doing when he had agile geosciences he was always producing some great content and it gave me a lot of you know good ideas of how to leverage python and my mm -hmm. own workflows um, but yeah, it was honestly, a lot of it is going out and finding a problem and yeah. then just figuring out a way to solve it. Right. Yeah. It's like, well, I've got this toolbox. I've got this giant toolbox of, of, of Python. And at <laughs> the time I was using a lot of Python too, but really started moving more towards, you know, later stage Python. And I was like, I can do a lot with this. So I started finding all these problems and yeah. trying to see if I could solve them using programming. And uh -huh. I just had to learn how to do it. You yeah. know, over time I've got more proficient and found more advanced tools that would help me along the way. And that's how I ended up, you know, where I am is just trying to solve every problem I found. Yeah. yeah, I can't agree more. I mean, yeah, you can do whatever formalized training you want, but it's never, never going to be tailored to what you're trying to do. And like, you just have to, I tell people yeah. all the time, you have to find a problem and try to solve it. And it may take you longer than it would take you to do in Excel, mm -hmm. but like, I promise you it's worth it if, yeah. if you like figure out how to do it. In and the I like reading, like I like editing and reading technical papers. I do it, you know, a lot for SCG and things like that. But when it comes to reading about programming, it's so boring. It's, no, it's, so, it's so bad. It's just terrible. Or, I just <clears throat> so much rather do it and keep failing yeah, until I figure it yeah. out. And, and then I go research it and then I go read about yeah, it. But like, yeah. it's got to be practical for me. Yeah, I think like to your point though too, having good mentors helps mm -hmm. too. Like Absolutely. someone that can unlock it. I mean, I, I'd say I had a couple at Conoco even where like, you know, I'm starting to learn R and I'm like, 
I know how I would do this in Spotfire. How can yeah. I do it here? And then like someone unlocks something for you and then it's like, boom, yeah. you're off to the races. Yeah. Exactly. And, you know, and, and those things exist, but there's also a really important component that a lot of people miss is like, there's so many ways to learn about how to do something or how to understand a package, you know, in our, yeah. in our Python. But the really challenging thing is how do you understand how a process works from its fundamentals? And yeah, that's yeah. where the mentors come in a lot is like, they might not know programming language. They, they might be new to them. You know, they're really experienced. They've used software, but they know how that software works. And right, so yeah. they're the ones you can go to, to understand the fundamentals and how to actually build something from the beginning. And so that's what I can say my, my mentors did the most is like helping me understand how this is working. And so then I can like, okay, now that I understand this, right. I can apply these tools and figure yeah. out how to make it work the same yeah. way. It's, I mean, it's, especially important when you're making that jump from like you know i'm just messing around with my you know uh fantasy football data yeah. dashboard that i'm building internally versus <laughs> spinning up a commercial we can talk about that too if you want that problems but, and yeah, yeah I love but that. even that but even just like i mean writing scripts and stuff that people are gonna end up making million dollar decisions right. on like yeah. like, like the, the stakes are so much higher much yeah. higher security there's so much more that goes into it right like to your point, understanding how it actually works at the mm -hmm. core, because then you start getting it, especially with the type of the amount of data that you guys are talking about. You have to optimize. So it's like, okay, it works, but now it takes, you know, it takes 30 seconds to load the page. Right. Now we got to mm -hmm. figure out that problem. Right. right? Well, like, when you have customers, it's even like, oh my gosh, right. like, <laughs> the every little thing is fast yeah. is, mm -hmm. yeah, is really important. And, and if you, if you present a fast product, you can never slow it down. It's got to no, go yeah. only, it's only got to go faster. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that gets even more challenging. One and you know, three to five seconds staring at a website is mm -hmm. so much longer yeah. than you really think no, yeah. it is yeah. if you're a user and it just that's how long it takes to load pages. Yeah. It's, but to that end, you have to have that step in between to make it work well before right. you make it work fast. Because <laughs> yeah. like right. a Lamborghini with bad brakes is mm -hmm. you know really dangerous too. You know, like, yeah. yeah, that's why we were talking about like is is there a point where we get off like right now? You know, our front end is built off Spotfire, and we can do a lot with that. I mean, it's very powerful, and we can make modifications really quickly and yeah. do a lot with it. Um, and we're so customized with it that it's almost like having you know, it's almost like having custom software. So I think the thing that the only way to get faster is to you know write your own React frameworks, right? Like you yeah. have to have your own framework and be able to control how things are cached in order to make it really fast and mm -hmm. really interactive for the users and that's kind of our next steps like well that's really the only way we can go yeah make it quicker yeah yeah a buddy, buddy of mine and i want to get him on here eventually he keeps putting it off but like uh he wrote a production optimization software or he, um but he was probably started out with a lot of spot fire he's really yeah. good with it but he had worked with his ukrainian developer and like they wrote their own visualization library in react yeah like not even using like you know plotly or say, any yeah. of these other things like yeah. they built their own to do because they knew what they had to do and it had to be fast that's like, how i would do it and i mean and that's how we're going to do it and that's you know you've got the perfect wireframe with spotfire right because it's yeah, got right. all these yeah it's an interactive wireframe i think i was telling zach yeah. that before i was like dude you've got what you need like you hand it to the right developer and yeah. they can run yeah. with it like that that's the it's easy one of the part. hardest yeah. parts is, is if you don't have something explaining yeah, it's how an interactive exactly, wireframe it, yeah. this is a functional thing like yeah. just rebuild this better you know like how do you like yeah you have to explain to react developer how do i lay out all these states mm -hmm. and how do i make these things these plots interact and how do i make these you know different different hooks and like you have to you have to know they can look at the tool itself and reverse engineer it essentially so it's like if, with a good a good developer like that yeah. so yeah exactly like this is the perfect way to start out yeah no that's i mean that's a direct camera uh <laughs> moment but that it's a really is just like a pro tip for anybody in that very early stage mvp software development mm -hmm. stuff is like if you have 
you know, a free or white label type solution that you can uh, leverage out of the gate, it helps so much down the line because it, yeah. one, it gets you started and moving, which is the hardest part of any business is doing it and you can make money on this product as it stands you can start bringing revenue in and probably if your software it's arr which is a nice fat multiple on top of that but then it's also very easy to just say here mr developer make this yeah (laughs) right like you don't have to go and wireframe every single step yourself from scratch like even me like doing some bi development stuff if if someone can give me an excel sheet that's functioning like this is the logic that i want to build or or even just can draw it on the board Mm -hmm. like but have have time people come like Hey, I want you to build me this. I'm like, okay, what show does that me. mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, like I'm a visual guy. Like, show me and mm-hmm. I, can, I can make anything happen. But like, exactly. Yeah. Or I mean, you also, like, this happens all the time still uh, <laughs> in my experience, but it's like, Hey, I want a button that does, you know, you put your, your uh, requests in with features mm-hmm. and you put as much detail into it as possible. The dev the developer goes and they, you know, they check it off their list, but then you go and you actually use it and you're like, this isn't what I want. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Yes, there is this feature, but it's unintuitive. It's not where it needs to yeah. be, whatever it may be. And so just having something simple like that where it's like, hey, look, this is exactly how I want it to work. Yep. Streamlines everything. And you need to focus on what you're good at, which is usually exactly. what you're selling the product to, to do. Yeah. Right? So it's like, okay, you know, I know oil and gas and, and how I want, you know, these tools to work. So that's what I want to focus on, right? Yeah. I'm not a yeah. front end developer. You know, that's For that's sure. something I'm having to learn. I always really wasn't even a back end developer. Like I had a lot of Linux experience. <laughs> And that was, again, another thing that I learned early on was like, okay, when you're in ac- academia, you have to learn how to build your own, you know, yeah. back end in your own environment. And, um, and so fortunately I had that. And so when I had to stand up my own server, I was like, oh, this is, this is complicated. Like yeah. I thought I could do it really easily. Um, and you know, I can navigate Linux really well, but man, there's so many things to consider and there's so much security implications mm-hmm. and, so and administrative things that you have to do. And that takes a lot of time. Uh, yeah. but you know, it's fun learning new things so yeah i, I enjoy it when it's a motivated you know, a you're motivated because yeah. it's a business that you're part of and uh, you have obviously the equity in it but it just you know when you're motivated motivated by those problems yeah. like yeah i was talking to um sean if, for those of you who don't know one of uh andrew's former colleagues is now my colleague yeah um, <laughs> <Sean> Aslam. <laughs> so yeah we're uh we were talking shop but he's like i i can do a little bit of networking but i hate it you know like yeah. I, I can never like that could never be my job yeah. like you know like but there's certain things that are motivating to you and then we can lean into those and it's fun. I hate to bring this up on the podcast. I hope you don't get mad, Sean. Have you seen his YouTube shorts and YouTube channel? I looked at a couple. But okay. Yeah. Uh, he's got some funny ones. Yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was cool. I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like yeah. he's got some really, really funny content on here and it's yeah. like sort of making fun of, you know, junior versus senior software developers <laughs> and things like that. But yeah, that's an example of a really sharp guy who helped me along and helped our journey along and Ensign, you know, who's just instrumental in creating these tools and yeah. the back end. So with that, I mean, Say what you're using now, say at, mm-hmm. at Forecast, where, I, what are some things that you can point to like, oh, that was an Ensign thing that I brought with me or that was a, something I learned at Newfield or different stops along the way and like how's that kind of culminated in what yeah, you're doing now? Yeah, it all is. I mean. Especially in the production kind of data space. Right? Yeah. Because like, every, every oil and gas company listening to this has production data, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, most of it is just like the the knowledge of how to deal with reservoir data, reservoir engineering data, like production data. Yeah. Um, what is important when you're looking at analytics, uh, when you're looking at wellheader data, so you're looking at job size and spacing and how do you classify things and what importance do you put on that when you put it in your front end? Yeah. Like how do you how do you emphasize certain things? What type of plots are important? Do you want acume plots? Do you want rate plots? Like 
having all that knowledge is super important for deciding what's what's important to show people. Yeah. Um, because if it's not important, they don't want to see it. They don't want a million options, a million buttons. We try to keep it as simple as we can because it's like, well, we just want to show you what's important, what you really need to do to get a value on this deal or a value on your wells or yeah. what you need to do to do a type curve, right? I just want simple things, simple intuitive things. Yeah. If I can have a land, I mean, this is this is what's amazing about the way that we we built forecast. We have landmen picking up the software who don't have very smart, but they don't have technical backgrounds, right. yeah. and they can go and run a deal. You know, they can do for they can do forecasts, and they can even adjust them and, and kind of make things fit better. And they can put on all the parameters and and all the inputs that they need, and they can run a deal in in no time. Yeah. And uh, that's the type of you know software that I like to build stuff that anybody can use. Sure. It's typically the best software. It's the best software. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> when you can teach a non-technical person, you don't even have to teach them, right? Yeah. You don't have to teach them. I mean, there was, there was a, one of our clients who's incredible. He's, he's just super sharp. He's a, he's a kind of a land finance guy. We, we gave him a license at the beginning of Urtech this year. And like, it was like a, a Monday or something, just send him a, send him a login. He was going to be web player. So it was really yeah. easy. We just send him a, send him a login and, and send him a link. And by the end of the week, I mean, he was like a power user. I mean, he was asking me questions on like the third day of Vertech. I was like, how, like, you've only been using the software for like two days. And we've been at a conference here in Denver. And right. like, yeah. you're still yeah. using it and like really good with it, really proficient with it. And so it was, it's amazing how fast, you know, some people can pick it up and, awesome. and run with it. That's a testament to, to y'all. Not necessarily. I mean, obviously. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> that's No, I mean, that's, that's. In my opinion, UI, UX is one of the most challenging things specifically in our industry because yeah. we have gotten so used to the like old school, hey, it's not broken. Don't we're not mm -hmm. gonna fix it. We'll add new things to it, but we're still gonna run on this old, you know, uh antiquated system. Right. On a yeah. virtual machine that's run on Windows ninety five and mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like very archaic type stuff. I think but, but also to your point though too is like knowing what's important because yes. you know you can fall into a trap of and i think some companies chases of the customer's always right oh yeah we'll add that feature and then you just yeah. it's just bloated with buttons and pages and stuff and no one knows what the hell to do yeah you know where it's like no we know what 80 percent of our people want to do with this we're going to focus on that core functionality yeah. yeah i have a rule and i tell clients this too i'm like if i have two clients to like two paying clients ask <clears> me for a feature i'll usually have the next day like i'll, yeah. I'll just throw it in and throw it throw it out to them like because that's like if it's that important that two independent people who don't know each other are asking me about it, right. then sure. it's important enough to put it in the software. And then if there's like, at least, I, it's kind of rough, but if there's five people who ask me for a specific feature or not clients, that's usually when I'll also do it. Gotcha. And just throw it in the software, you know, if I have to, you know, run it overnight, I will. Yeah. For something simple, right? Like a button or like a, sure. you'd be surprised what's simple. Some things are simple. Some things are <laughs> yeah, really, yeah, yeah. Some things <laughs> that sound simple are really complicated. Uh -huh. Yeah, simple um, but not easy. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm working right now on this way to normalize all the formations uh, okay. automatically because people take that for granted when you have really cleaned up data sets from, from, from IHS or from Inveris. They do a really good job of going through and, and picking out these formations and cleaning them up and looking at target zones and all that. And so our, our intern Teague and I threw this problem at him. I was like, all right, good luck, buddy. Like he has no oil and gas experience. He's a financial, like financial economics, but he has programming, programming Python experience and he tackled it great. And I mean, we showed that at energy tech night, uh, how we had kind of cleaned up you okay. know, the end basin and it's all automatic. It's all fuzzy logic. And you just sort of trust that the operators got, you know, some exposure to sure. what it is. And there's, there's rules around it. And I'm applying like some geologic things like, okay, the Merrimack doesn't go beyond this area. This is all Mississippi line simple things like that um, to to it. And then that pushes us into our spacing calculator. So now we're gonna roll out this you know massive tool that does really accurate spacing calculations and incorporates parent, child, and 
code development and threaded wells and like all these classifications that let you filter them down really fast. And that's integral for doing fast type groups because yeah. you want to pick out similar wells to the type of development that you're going to do. So I'm not going to pass this opportunity up to promote the hashtag Hamadarko. Uh. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a funny <laughs> evolution. So we were Zach loves like Oklahoma, right? Like yeah. he's he's in Oklahoma. He's 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 Oklahoma born and bred. So he's very like you know yeah. involved. I find that pretty often. Awesome. I mean, they may be more proud than Texans. It's pretty. It's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's great, and we yeah. get a lot of great you know local uh, content and ideas from that. And he's he's like very pro this idea that Harold Ham just wants to acquire everybody in the Anadarka Basin. And so we're like, yeah, that's that's awesome. He's and so we were talking about ideas for Energy Tech Night and how we could do a demo. And I mean, the software is is I mean, it's super fast. Like we can literally do yeah. an evaluation and come up with a number of what the PDP value is of the entire Anadarka Basin in a few minutes. Like it's it's that fast. And we did it so fast, we put it in a video for <laughs> Energy yeah. Tech Night for the for the demo. And so the idea around that's like, oh, what if we just consolidated the major players in the Anadarko to Continental, what would it look like, right? So that's where Hamadarko came from, you know, right. Harold Ham, Hamadarko. Um, and so, yeah, so we're, we're we're promoting that. I think Zach even trademarked it. So like we've got, <laughs> <That's incredible. laughs> we're, Sounds right. we're all it. about it. And the Continental engineers love it and have a great time with it. And again, it's a, it's a fun concept to kind of play around with. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a, you know, it's a very real possibility. Omenov yeah. has no rigs running in, in the Anadarko and people are kind of, focusing on the Permian and, and, and doing other things. And you know, Ham's like, what are you guys doing? This is crazy. This is a premier oil and gas basin in the United States. Put money into here, focus yeah. on this basin. And so he's like, if you want, I will, you know. That yeah. is crazy. I mean, because, I mean, and obviously I think someone from, uh, I forget what, but they showed a graph and it is amazing how much the Permian's contributing right now. Yeah. But like there's, I think the value is in some of these other basins. I mean, we've been lucky at GME. We've got two deals so far where like mm -hmm. getting that a, apparently a pretty good discount you know, yeah time will tell but like yeah it seems to be going pretty well for us so far and there's like, running room all over the place yeah. i mean i some people might disagree but i mean i you know i think that as oil price sustains and stays high all these secondary targets are going to be economic across the u.s yeah. and as we go back and, and learn more about them and um we apply some of these more modern frack techniques that we've been doing and i know fracks frack design has been kind of similar over time but i mean we're running casing for cheaper, you know, yeah. the tools are better, we're more consistent. Um, you know, does, I think we're kind of settling on a 3,000 pounds per foot design across the U.S. that seems to be pretty standard. Yeah. And, um, you know, a kind of a cluster spacing that's pretty standard. So, I mean, we're getting better. And, and, yeah. and everyone's, everyone, getting, better, everyone's, say, everyone's getting so better. Much, there's so much opportunity yeah. in the OG shale basins to oh, come back sure. in refract because i mean yeah i've only we did it we were at a number of wells at ensign yeah it, and they're great wells that's the mm -hmm. thing is like just thinking about i mean the first five years of my career i was a frack engineer and uh thinking about the fracks that we did in 2010 versus... you're telling me that 800 pound crosslink fracks aren't the best type of frack <laughs> the amount have. of crosslink fracks <laughs> i have pumped is just ridiculous and i mostly worked in gas basins yeah. just to give yeah. you an idea of how horrible those yeah. designs were Ugh. But uh, no, it's, it's, yeah, there's, I think there's huge, I, that's one of the biggest things I feel like I've learned in my experience in this industry is the sexy thing is not where most people make most of the money, right? Oh, yeah. It's the, Definitely not. oh, well, here's this thing that's been here for a while. It's actually proven. There's lots of data on it, but it's not the new, like even just conventionals, right? Yeah. Like conventional stripper wells, 
you know how much money individuals oh, make tons. on conventions? There's tons of bypass stripper wells. Right? Yeah. yeah, like coming in, my father-in-law has some stripper wells up in Louisiana, and he can come in and shoot a 10-foot <laughs> perf mm-hmm. or 10-foot zone and double the production overnight exactly. with one wireline. Is that worth like it? it? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. And so I think, yeah, that's just a big thing a lot of people don't pay attention to is that like hey these are the oil is not going anywhere the gas Mm -hmm. isn't going anywhere just because it's not the sexy thing that the investors want to hear doesn't mean that there's not value to it absolutely yeah one thing i mean you know one of our main deals here is that we want people to take maybe new ways of thinking or doing things um so you know speak as much as you want about it but like how are you guys deploying spotfire for forecast because like i mean pretty much anyone i know in oil and gas is probably deploying it Mm on-prem And they're on a Windows box using SQL Server, you know, as the database behind it and everything. I mean, like, um, yeah, how, how are you guys deploying it? I mean, I can't ride that too much for an operator because we did that. We did that. No, no, we, too, no, we yeah. did too. I mean, yeah, like, yeah. I'm not knocking, but I mean, I think it's but good as a people service to realize provider, they can do different. it cheaper. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. you can do it significantly cheaper, even not having to host it yourself. So, yeah. so that's that's kind of what we do. So what what areas do you see like room for improvement, or have you seen kind of gains or optimization on on your end? Yeah, I mean, I think people should be using the web player more. I think yeah. that's going to get more and more popular. And even for for people who are using it from from an analytics license or a business author perspective, oh, yeah. where they're editing it and creating things, um, the web player is getting more and more powerful. And Spotfire is deploying tools that help you auto scale and help you use uh, containerization to to deal with the complicated mess that they created in some ways on the server side for, yeah. for deploying a web player. Um, because she, because you got to use Python nodes and R nodes and you got to use a server node and you got to make sure that they're not on the same machine or the, like, they're at least containerized so that they're not conflicting with each other and stealing resources. Um, but it's so powerful and it's so fast because we host the data on the same bare metal servers. Like we just, we host our own bare metal servers and I just, you know, I just lock them down and, and you can have the spot for creates you a say you host, architecture. But I mean, I want to clarify that too, yeah. because like, because some people like bare metal, maybe they like, they actually have their own server. Oh yeah. Mr. I mean, Mr. Hughes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. When I say bare metal server, I mean, it's through a third party contractor. Like they, they stood them up and I just okay. said, Hey, I want that machine. And, they, okay. and I, I pay them a monthly fee for it. Yeah. And, um, like and so co-located. Yeah it's, yeah. it's like co-located, but we didn't put our own hardware in there. I mean, they own the hardware. If yeah. it fails, it's on them. They'll give us new hardware. Sure. And I just use like a backup service that, you know, I can just replicate it, you know, the next day if I need to. Um, and so we've got, um, our own, bare metal servers and then we're expanding to this bare metal cloud idea where they basically keep ser- their own servers running and then partition them to to people who want to just turn on a machine um yeah. on the fly and so you can use tools like rancher that will you know auto scale kubernetes and and um which you know controls docker images so it's like you got all these layers of auto scaling that you can use to yeah. um horizontally scale your your web players and i think that's where most people can and should go with spotfire because Tipco Cloud is like okay, it's cool, but it's just so expensive and yeah, it's limited. so limited. Yeah. Shock, shocking. Yeah, right. And so I can do so much with, um, you know, with with Python and R scripts and and like a web player that yeah. it would amaze you. I mean, there's, I started writing script. One of the things that, um, you know, not a lot of lot of, lot of people think of is I actually write scripts that that write out my axes because the axes and the Spotfire plots can get super complicated. Yeah, especially when you have a lot of options, a lot, and you want to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. And I, you know. It, we're on like a consumer license for clients. So it's like, they can't change any of that. Yeah. So yeah. you have to make it accessible in some really, you know, friendly Unique way. Ways, yeah. And so I, it was getting, some of things were getting so complicated that I just started writing Python scripts to write the, <laughs> to okay. write the axes Smart. labels. Yeah. 
And so it works really well. And so you basically just drop out a string and it'll like, oh yeah, this is this like, you know, 20 okay. line long uh, uh, option full of options and ideas. And then of course you can iterate over things and make it easier. So, yeah. But again, I, you know, I think big thing there too is like you're hosting on Linux because again, that wasn't yeah. ever an option before. So I mean, Linux That's is true. a free operating system. Yes. And then are you using Postgres as the database instead of SQL I'm using server? MySQL. I'm using. Okay. Uh, you, so you can use MySQL as the backend. Oh, oh, for Spotfire, I'm using the, Postgres. Yeah. Postgres oh yeah, 14. The spot, as far as the Spotfire database. Yeah. So I'm using Postgres 14 for Spotfire and for spatial objects. So okay. like shape files and things like that. It's just easier to handle them. And, and that's free. And yeah. then, uh, like you said, I'm using Ubuntu 22.04. That's free. Yeah. Um, and Spotfire server, it's, there's not a lot of great support for it. So if you're struggling, just give me a call if you have a question. Um, Spotfire, I hope you're listening. Because yeah, I love Tipco. Spotfire itself. Yeah. yeah. Tipco, excuse me. But Spotfire is great as a visualization tool, but you guys are so proud of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, one of the problems is the community support goes all the way back to like version seven and, yeah. and, and even earlier to version five. And so it gets really confusing about what's relative, what's valid and what's not. <clears throat> so the support's a little rough, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it can be done. We run ours on Linux and it runs really, it runs great. Yeah. You know, we run our database on MySQL and, and that connects perfectly to it. And, yeah. and, and you can set everything up just the same way you would on windows and you save a boatload of money doing that. So yeah. I want to ask, how do y'all because this is something I never would have even thought about until Bobby and I worked together mm -hmm. at, at RDS. But how do y'all manage, or what are some you know creative, unique ways that you manage visualizing a bunch of data, right? Like when we were at RDS, right, we're getting one second data and the engineers swear they, they need to every see single data. every single data. Even though it wasn't point. changing over the course of an hour right. by like like yeah, half on a, yeah, on a PSI. But. On a DFIT that's changing <laughs> 0.02 <laughs> PSI and you know a week yeah uh <laughs> I d you don't need every data point but like let's yeah. talk about that because i do feel like that's something that a lot of people don't talk about until they get into it and they're like well shit what do i do here yeah i mean i think the first thing is 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 because like i told you before like i'm building this and and with the perspective that i want it for me like i want i i understand how you know companies create value and I, and I solicit a lot of you know ideas and advice from other people but but i know what i need to see and so one thing you can limit a lot of columns just just knowing that right like yeah. i don't need all this ancillary data that's being reported publicly like i this no one's gonna ask me for this so so i can cut out data that way and kind of streamline it um the second thing is i use a lot of the built-in tools in spotfire for on-demand data loading and i think it's it's underutilized um mm -hmm. they have a lot of uh, advanced caching that they do that's hidden and so you can load stuff on demand uh really quickly that is on a database so i could bring in you know a bunch of wells so that's kind of how our data loading page works you bring in an entire state or multi-states or multi-basins worth of wells you just rope rope what you want and you can do some filtering down if you don't want that much data right. i estimate how much data is going to be downloaded and then you hit set a project and then it brings in all the production data it brings in all the header data all the forecasts uh that are like pre-done so you can have a starting point and you can edit them and, and manipulate them in the software yeah. and you get all that data all at once and so I think that on-demand component is kind of how you solve that because yeah, it's hard to to cache you know all this data yeah. at once you know like like you know Brian McCallan his his Sabata stuff like you can easily say well this is the database it's not going to change yeah. like everyone's going to look at Texas and this is Texas right so he can use automation services and and yeah. throw that data in there and keep it updated we can't really do that because everyone's looking at something different right. we got people looking at Colorado we have people looking at North Dakota we have people looking at Texas and so. We need, they need to be able to, you know, pull that data on demand whenever they want. Yeah. Now that's, uh, 
yeah it's like i said it's just one of those things that like you don't think about until you're standing there and you're like man there's only so many literal pixels on yeah this, on the screen and there's only so many points i can put in those pixels exactly yeah but, you do get limited i mean spot fire like once you hit you know a couple million rows it kind of gets a little it gets a little yeah. hairy it gets a little boggy on the on the map chart but it's still but, one of the better like fastest it works visualization yeah. tools that's that's out there it honestly. does that's, yeah, it, it you can't argue with it. It it works it works really well. It's super easy to use. Um it's it's fairly easy to modify and it's just so customizable that you can yeah, just yeah. do so much with it. You know, I mean the text area is just literally a blank canvas. Yeah. It is exactly, <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. I mean, so you can do it's almost a website. Yeah, like, you can inject almost anything you want in terms of HTML and CSS into that. Yeah. So super super powerful. Um one I've been wanting to ask and it would be a great uh LinkedIn engagement question is uh, R or Python? Oh, definitely Python. Yeah. Um, I will say R has, if you're using Spotfire, R has the advantage of having very little overhead because the data types are the exact data types that are native to Spotfire. Yeah, the tear and everything. So yeah, so you don't have to worry about like that overhead. So when you're talking about like interactive scripts and things like that, R definitely is a little bit faster um, when it comes to like manipulating stuff in Spotfire. But as soon as we're out of Spotfire, yeah. we're going to be all Python and JavaScript because it's yeah. just like the... Python just has so many powerful vectorized functions and it's so easy to use and it's constantly evolving. And um, yeah, definitely Python. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, our users. No, no I mean, <laughs> I think it yeah. makes sense that the Swiss army knife of oil yeah. and gas would choose the Swiss army knife of uh, programming languages. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that actually. No, I mean, it's, it's to me, it's using the right tool for the job. Right? Yeah. Like R is more statistic, like math focused and yeah. stat focused. And if you have those or like Matt, you know, MATLAB is similar too, right? Like yeah. we use MATLAB in college all the time. I've never used MATLAB again, but there's still lots of people that use MATLAB because MATLAB is good for what it does. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for me, the better question, because people, as soon as you put R versus Python, I mean, Python just does so much. I mean, I, yeah. for me, if you said R versus pandas, like, or let's say the tidy versus, versus pandas, like as far as a syntax to syntax, I'll probably take R and that stuff personally. Well, okay. But but you don't have the numerical optimizations behind it that you do with pandas. Yeah. So with NumPy being natively used behind pandas, there's so much vectorization. Yeah, it's it so on fast. the size of your data. Yeah, so to. for big data sets, I think that- Yeah, yeah no, I, I wouldn't disagree. And, and I've moved I use so much more Python than R. It's mm -hmm. it's it's fun to get back in R when I get a chance, yeah. but yeah. And Shiny's got some like great interactive tools for plotting and things like that. So yeah. if you are using that, I mean, you know, you can expand on it and make some great interactive tools yeah. with R. So but it's got a lot got of power. Python, you got Streamlit and you've got you Yeah. Know, I mean Polydash and all that. So there's a lot more to do. And then like you're like, oh well, I can use statistics and do things like that in, in R. Well, you got stats models is yeah. is brought natively into Python. So you can do all the same functionality that you have. Yeah. Um, in the community. So. I mean both communities are very good. That's Python great. community is just insanely huge. It's just like, massive. So, yeah. yeah, it's just massive. It's like it doesn't seem like it's ever going to. Sl uh, that's probably a terrible thing to say <laughs> out loud and put into the universe. But it just seems like it just like there's all there's multiple packages for damn near anything you're trying. Pretty to much do. anything. Yeah. yeah. Like, and most of them have documentation. And, and yeah, I mean, one of my buddies has been yeah. putting stuff out for the maritime industry. Like, yeah. you, there's you know four different things I've learned about this week that are packages exclusively for maritime data. Yeah. It's like, I mean, I think there's there's lots of ways you can use Python that almost makes it look like no code. I mean, you, yeah, can, oh, yeah. you can put in such such simple functions uh, I that mean, that have. I mean, it might have a little bit of overhead, but you can put in some really simple things that are so abstract that can do a ton of different yeah. work. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been messing around with some workflows and for us internally and. I can use uh, OpenAI's Whisper 
uh, audio to text transcription with two lines of code That's unreal. In, yeah. <laughs> in a Google Collab notebook. And yeah. it'll, run, it'll run and transcribe an entire podcast wow. by itself in a notebook in Google Collab that is running not on my machine at all. Cheers for Jupyter Notebooks. Holy cow. Like that's a, you know, if you want to learn Python, learn it in notebooks because, uh, you know, it's a great, it's it's weird to call an IDE, but it kind of is like an IDE, right? Like you can type in it and and it can, and you can run it. Um, I was actually, speaking of IDEs, what I'm kind of curious what you guys use because I have a funny sort of evolution of my IDE journey. Yeah, I mean, I I use VS Code and I have for the last couple of years. Yeah. Very opinionated on this topic because my first like real coding like legitimate coding that I ever did was when Bobby showed me how to use R in R Studio. Oh yeah. yeah. And I'm a very I'm a mechanical engineer, so I'm very visually oriented. Mm-hmm. And just having that stupid variable explorer there is <laughs> yeah. just like it changes everything for me because I can highlight a chunk, run it, see what happens. Yep. When yeah. I'm because inevitably I'm a horrible it is neat actual. in our studio. You can like literally select a line that you want to run, yeah, like yeah. highlight and boom, run. But yeah, I think like both you get both concepts, whether it's yeah. our studio or a Jupyter notebook. I mean that yes. that REPL idea of being able to like run chunks, cut and, a cell, and run it. And even right, like yeah. for me, like even a lot of times I'll develop in in a Jupyter notebook and then put it into a mm-hmm. Python script. But like when I can, yeah. you know, again, you're doing API development, like or calling from an API. You don't, I don't hammer that every time I run a script. Yeah, right. And let me just like call that into this cell. Now I can work on everything downstream of that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and just like for me, a lot of it is debugging because I'm not a good developer. So there's inevitably going to be something wrong with it. Yeah. And so it's like, if I can copy and paste something from, you know, uh, which this is how I develop generally stack overflow or from, uh, Bard or GPT GPT and throw it in there and then, okay, well, how do I, I know what I want to do. I know how this works generally. And I can start debugging it line by line and saying, okay, well, this is where I need to change the for loop yeah. or whatever it needs yeah. to be, right? Um, but I wish there was a better Python ID natively, just like out of the box where I didn't have to go in and customize my entire yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, you and I still got to sit down. I mean, I know. The we, Python, ex- the Python extension in VS Code is pretty good. I yeah, like, yeah. That's really good. I mean, if you want something that's similar to our studio, you should explore, download and just play around with Spider. Spider's Spider. actually yeah. kind of similar to our studio and the, the way it's laid out and the uh, way you put plots up. PyCharm is honestly my favorite one. PyCharm's really good too. Yeah. Just because it's, it's yeah. straightforward and Again, easy I just, to set up. I mean, and you're using multiple things out too. I mean, like, as soon as you want to start using multiple languages, like you know, VS yeah, Code, just yeah, the extensions. Yeah, you got a bunch of things. Yeah. yeah. But what's, um, so okay, you're so, saying, what's your okay, uh, so evolution? My funny story is I didn't know a lot of Python programmers in the oil and gas industry for a long time because it just, it was kind of a small community. Yeah. So, so what I used in grad school, I just wrote straight in Vim. So I yeah. used like Vim Windows and I just saved like dot .pies and dot, so you know and how to exit dot Java. So I literally, yeah, I know how to exit Vim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Escape, colon, Q. Yeah. Um, so um, if you've got our WQ, so you do save yeah. it. Um, so if you've got just like GVim, like this, like just a basic, very basic editor, which actually is a great tool for opening mm-hmm. big ASCII files. So, so it's, it's just for doing that. You can right click in Windows and open giant ASCII files. I think in I've actually downloaded that when I was at RDS. Yeah, to yeah. Open these it's giant CSVs. Yeah, we, we, we went so through every for that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, and so Vim terrible. can do column edit, column by column edits, which is really nice and things like that. So anyways, I used just like straight Vim windows for like 10 years, for a long time. I was very resistant to going into any yeah. IDE. And so when people watched me code, I would just code and code and code. Then like I, I would just have to run it. And if it worked, it worked. And if it didn't, like I got to figure out what the error message says. Like I had no debugging yeah. capabilities. And so I did that for a long time. And I think it's kind of like a school of hard knocks thing. Like, oh yeah, that, that sort of hardened me and yeah. maybe pretty good at typing things uh, carefully and, mm-hmm. and reading my code and debugging on the fly, like in knowing what I'm writing. So I didn't get really reliant on that. And so what what 
broke me was not that long ago. Sean, Sean Aslan, we were talking about, he showed me his setup in VS Code. I was like, oh, you can just like take five seconds to create a virtual environment. You don't have to go through this whole process of building it on your mm, machine yeah. and like having, you know, a whole package set up and everything separate. And he's like, yeah, you just you just literally say what version you want and 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 then you can pull up a terminal and run it in yeah. it. I'm like, holy cow. So I already had VS Code in there um, mm. because I really like the the ability for it to log in remotely without having to go through PowerShell and all that. Yeah. Um, so there was some, some usefulness there um, that I was kind of sort of using it for. And then he showed me that. And then I started diving into it and looking extensions. And so now yeah. I'm a VS Code guy. Yeah, so now I use it. Then and you add Copilot I mean, in your you have Git. Yeah, yeah. Have you done the... Uh, GitHub Copilot yet? No, I'm still very resistant to people to, to having somebody inject, uh, you know, some really like an LLM into my <clears> code and and have it potentially. I don't know if it exports or not. I'm sure it runs native, but I don't know. I'm very resistant to, to debug tools also, just because I'm a little bit weary of of how making myself over, over reliant on them. Yeah, and so I'm still kind of have that that old school mentality. Yeah, but if you like, I like to write thing, out. Yeah. yeah, if you didn't have debug tools yeah. for ten years, that's yeah. That's so be a hard so it's for our intern. Right? He he sent me he sent me his like baseline code, and I was like, oh, it looks good. And then I start like going through like, all right, we we'll do this, do this, do this. He's like, you're not gonna run it. <laughs> I was like, no, we're just gonna write it, and we'll figure it out. Like yeah. it'll 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 run or it'll work or won't work, and then it ends up you know I I fairly experienced what he was doing so it just you know it ran sure and he was just like ah. <laughs> yeah, that gives me so much anxiety just hearing you say it out loud <laughs> just coding lines and lines and not ever like it actually prepares it. you really well for working in spotfire because spotfire debugging yeah. is horrendous yeah, when you're writing data yeah. functions in python um yeah, you, in an r even yeah i mean you don't get really any good feedback no you don't all. get any feedback i mean the if you turn on the debug tool um you get a little bit more like you can at least see print statements i didn't know that for the longest time yeah. i was like how do i print <laughs> how do i print in python to do yeah. like basic you know debugging um and so so yeah so i you know you spend enough time doing it and you get you get kind of good at what you're doing and get really careful and and you can you can write a lot of uh really clean code like that um, I use Beekeeper for my SQL IDE, so okay. I really like it. Um, it is it is open it's it's open source yeah. and it's really available. But I we like pay for the developer version to okay. help keep it supported. And does that do like auto formatting some of that too? Or it does a little bit. It has yeah. like uh, format magic. I don't really ever use it because um, no. I again I'm <laughs> this is part of my I just like writing yeah. stuff out, you know, and I like writing it in the format that I want to write it in. Occasionally, if I get if I get really lazy. I'll use ChatGPT to write really long queries, but like, or I'll write. I used to write Python code. I used to write yeah. Python code to write SQL queries. Yeah. So I would like, okay, I got to loop over this annoying, you know, thing over and over again to create this view or to make a to make a certain um uh query. And so I would do that also, but ChatGPT's kind of changed that. It's like I can format things. I can copy a list of things out of Excel and like make this a Python dictionary. Yeah. You know, like I don't want to do that. Yeah. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. No, that's or uh, JSON. Like, make this a JSON, right? I need all these different fields. Write me out a JSON template for this, and yeah. I'm like, it's crazy. That's also, fantastic for documentation on. Code oh, amazing well. for documentation. Yeah. That's my favorite. I can like I I could know what the code does and be like, what does this code do? So it writes out some documentation for me. So if I go back later and be like, all right, so I know why I did this because sure, there's yeah. lots of code that I've written. And I'm like, like oh, yeah. either I look at it, I'm like, God, that was so smart. Why can't why? I think like this? Right. Yeah. <laughs> like I forgot yeah, that good I did comments this, and stuff know? are like a love letter to your future self exactly like, yeah. right yeah exactly <laughs> and then and then there's times it's like yeah this comment saved my life yeah, yeah. oh for sure that's uh that's one thing dave taught me when i was in grad school he was really good at commenting and very good at, at documenting and writing this out and so that taught me early on like yeah. how to do it and what level of verbosity okay. I mean, you to needed. your point though using a 
really bare bones editor like that, it's way more necessary too. Like, it hardens I mean, like, you. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. All right, we've jump got, into this. Yeah, we've got a few or? minutes left, so we'll we'll end it as we normally do with the speed round. We'll cool. just pepper you with some questions. And go yeah, kind of quick one word, one sentence kind of answers. Yeah. Okay. Um, you got. What's you your? Uh, yeah. What's your favorite cloud provider? Oh, none of them. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> Great answer. <laughs> um, what is your? What's top? Uh, either top or just recently favorite uh, book that you've read recently or um or paper for that matter uh let's see <laughs> i feel bad i don't remember the name of the book <laughs> it's, it's a venture capital book um yeah there's a venture capital book i read it's like blue and orange and i and, and i know it was a really good read about how oh, to I think I build a vc and how to, how to build a vc how to how to raise vc money and how to build a startup and it introduced me to a lot of business concepts around equity and things like that that i um that I know now, but yeah, I feel so stupid for not knowing the name of it. <laughs> no, we'll People will we'll, recognize it. Maybe yeah, we can uh, tag it in the comments. Yeah, yeah there you go. Um, what's your favorite open source project? Oh, um, pandas. Is that, is that basic? Yeah. Is that the pumpkin no. spice latte of, of Python? It's just so powerful. You can do yeah. everything with it. It's amazing. Have you looked at polars? Uh, I haven't. I've been I've been told to look at polars a few times. Yeah, but I, haven't I haven't explored it either. Into it. But I mean, it's like a time. When thing. I make it, I've done. I get my data is not usually big enough to where it's a big constraint. But. I can make things really fast in Panda, so yeah. I haven't had like ah, oh, this is too slow. Yeah, problem yet. Favorite video and or board game. Oh, Settlers of Catan. I will play that any day of the week, and I play. I had been playing it online quite a lot, so it's a really, really fun game. Nice. And advice. Awesome. What's that? You want to do advice? Wrap it up. That's beautiful. You go. You can go for it. Yeah. What's uh? What's what's some advice you give to somebody either looking to move into energy tech or kind of starting out, you know, in the the development programming world that wants to kind of coming into the energy space? Yeah, I, I think two things. Uh, go find problems to solve and solve them as fast as you can and show people how you solve them and get feedback. Like that feedback loop. I know people say all the time, feedback yeah. loop and programming is really important. I'd also encourage you to find, uh, I say this almost every time I've interviewed, find mentors, like find as many mentors as you can, many quality mentors yeah. as you can to get to know them really well. And there will be an invaluable resource for your entire career. And they're super important. No, yeah. that's, no. that's a great way to end it. Cause it's, <laughs> well, and just like with our generation in the energy space, right? Like there are so many guys that are, retired or still you know in management or whatever that have so much great experience especially in all with all the nuanced shit that we have to deal with in oil and gas yeah that like let's make sure we lean on them exactly yes we make fun of them boomers blah 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 but they know a lot right like, yeah they still have a lot of information they've seen some shit they, they forgot <laughs> yeah. more than you know like it's exactly. it's amazing like it's a they know a lot yeah awesome appreciate well, it Andrew. Yeah. thanks yeah. for being on man. thanks for having me guys where, uh, of course where can where can people find you I'm mostly on LinkedIn now. Um, I'm I've I've uh, since deprecated my uh, Twitter on 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 account because it was taking up too much personal time, <laughs> um, and so I've uh, put that to pasture. Um, so yeah, mostly LinkedIn. I'm around a lot at uh, industry events and things like that. And then of course you need to check out uh, Forecast and uh, Forecast does have a, a Twitter page, LinkedIn page, and Forecast uh, .io if you want to check us out. Num number four. Number four. Thank you. Yeah, four C A S T .io. Um, but yeah, if you ever see me somewhere, just, um, come up and chat with me. I'm pretty open. Cool. Appreciate it, man. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks guys for coming on.
while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Goodbye.